everyone. Welcome to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. Chrissy here, and I'm joined, as always, with Xander and Charlie. We're going to be talking about something maybe a little bit spicy. Oh, we'll see. Um, but we're going to be talking all about third-party intent data. And is it real? Is it snake oil? Is it worth it? I don't know. We'll see. But um, but yeah, I want to kick it over to Charlie because I think he has a good kind of take and story to kind of kick it off. So, yeah, I thought I thought I'd go through a bit of my timeline on third-party intent data. Um, like your personal like timeline. My personal timeline, okay. just the evolution of my thoughts. Because I think, like a lot of people, when new technologies or new things come out, you get excited about it you see the promise in it, maybe you buy into it a little bit too much and then you try and implement it. But then over time, often what happens, not all the time, but sometimes you start to see the issues with it. I think we, we talked about this a little bit with, with chat tools, right? And mm-hmm. it does happen a lot with marketing technologies. And I think the third party intent piece, so specifically the vendors that are selling you that a certain company is in market at a period of time based on the people of that company navigating around the internet on other web properties other than your own, and then showing some kind of intent in your product by this engagement in other web properties. But over the years, I think I've just started to see the holes in it. And I think even early on, I was always wondering how, how are they doing this? But it just, it just seems like a very complicated problem to solve because you're having to really make sure that the different engagements that you're seeing on these other web properties really truly are showing an intent for a specific product. And often the vendors give you these categories that you try and tie to your product, but how accurate really is the tying of that category to your product? So I've always had like these concerns, but over the years, the concerns have grown and grown and grown. And we thought it'd be a really good podcast to talk about today because we started to really think is there really a way to test this if it works? And what we were thinking about there is, yes, you could maybe build some kind of research at your company where you look at the companies that have been, you've been told have been showing intent in your product and the companies that haven't, and then look at all of the marketing and sales and all of the conversion rates to see, are we seeing a lift in conversion rates through our funnel for those that are showing intent? But the biggest problem that we thought once we started to explore that is that there's going to always be some kind of self-fulfilling prophecy with this, where you're probably telling your, your sales team, these are the accounts showing intent, go after them, and they're prioritizing them. So it's probably likely they are going to convert at a higher rate than the accounts that, at least in your data set, are apparently not showing intent. And then what's really interesting, as we were thinking about this, this MIT research that has started floating around on LinkedIn, which really does validate some of the concerns that we've had over the years. So I thought I'm going to read verbatim one of the things that it says in there. Basically, what they did is they looked at third-party intent to see if it has any improvement over just rad. There's other things in the paper. I haven't read all of it, but they looked at, is it actually a useful indicator for companies in market and is it going to be better than actually just targeting companies at random and then they also compared it against first party data and their conclusion or one of the conclusions 
I'll read out here verbatim. So often marketers face the challenge of how to communicate best with the customers who have the right responsibilities, influence, or purchasing power. And they go on to kind of explain the issue. For example, B2B marketers selling software and IT, they need to identify the decision makers. And in the modern digital environment, in theory, allows marketers to target individuals in organizations through specifically designed third-party audience segments based on deterministic prospect lists or probabilistic, (laughs) that one's um, a bit hard to say for me, inference. (laughs) However, in this paper, we show that in our context, such off-the-shelf segments perform no better at reaching the right person than random prospects. So I'll repeat that last bit. In these segments, so these segments where they've looked at this third-party data segment, they are performing no better at reaching the right person than random prospecting. So let's chat about it. I mean, I think this obviously is just one research paper. The vendors that sell this data probably have their own research papers showing the complete opposite. So who do you believe? But I think it does add some further fuel to the fire on is third-party intent data useful? What do you think? The first thing that I always kind of think about is maybe tied to the channels that we talk about whether they're relevant or not, which is kind of like content syndication, like public publisher placement kind of ads and stuff like that. And a lot of third party data, like they'll have connections or they'll have agreements with those channels and they'll try and pull in some of that data. So to start, I've always been very weary of that third-party data because as we know, like you end up getting those leads if they're if you're paying those people directly and they're like, I've never heard of your company. I'm not sure what you're talking about. So I've always just been kind of skeptical. And then also, I mean, I even looked at it with a client today, like the conversion rate for that channel is just like so poor, especially to to one. And if you compare it probably against just their pure prospecting, I think prospecting has a higher conversion rate. And so, and that's just like cold prospecting. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's probably a lot of validity to that. I think with third party data, I think it's a black box that I'm not really comfortable like building a whole model around. And saying like, hey, the sales team, you should go after this. And then I think a third thing is a lot of the vendors that do do it, you're saying, hey, can you go and look at these keywords? And then they'll tell you, okay, these are all the accounts that are trending on those keywords. And actually, we found with certain clients that they are just poor at selecting those keywords too. A lot of the time, it's not really tied to people who are actually in market for their product. It's maybe an adjacent product or they found out, actually, we did our own internal research with our customers and found like these are the words that they're actually searching when they went to go look for us. And so I think that alone is just a flaw, a big flaw to it as well. I may be ignorant, but it just does seem like a very hard problem to solve for. Like say you're gong or outreach or something and you're targeting salespeople and you want to find people in market, your your product is a sales tool, but it's very specific, solving specific use cases for sales, right? Now, when you're trying to get intent data and you're trying to show, okay, the vendor is telling us that they're surging on these topics, 
it's never going to be like perfectly aligned to like the specific use cases that you have. Or even if they are, if they're telling you are, what is the net that they're casting that they're then funneling into that, that term, right? Like, is it any sales article that people are reading? And the black box aspect to it that you just said, I think it's the biggest issue. They're not going to show you, you know, the algorithm and behind the curtain on, on, it, on how they're doing this. So you have to just trust that this is perfectly aligning to what you're selling and the solutions that you're selling and what the person is on the other side is consuming aligns perfectly to what you're selling. Yeah. So I think the, the biggest issue that I have is just around this black box element and how accurate is this intent data? Is it going to give you some false, false positives and can you, can you really trust it? And there's no way that you can really work backwards and figure out the truth. And like I said at the beginning, even if you try to test it yourself, of course, it's going to show you that they're probably converting higher because it's where your sales team, you're telling your sales team to put more effort. So again, you can't, you can't test on the vendor side and you probably can't even test internally because everything, everyone's just going to tell you it's working, but then is it really giving you an hour of return on investment? And are you actually seeing the value out of it that you need to continue using? Yeah. I think that one of the one of the major problems with intent data, and I and I saw it when Zoom Info had acquired an intent provider who was giving like every single little signal that was that was being shown in real time. And it was like, in my mind, that was very dangerous to give to the sales team because these people aren't surging on you. It's not showing that they're coming to your website. It's not showing you that they even know who you are. It's just the topics that you may be involved in. And oftentimes those signals are very, very broad, you know, right. for us, it would be like revenue operations consulting. And it's like, well, that's a very broad topic. That doesn't mean that somebody's necessarily looking for an agency like us. Right. And then yeah. if you go too fine tuned, nobody ever shows up because they say, you know, they say, well, well, right now we need to broaden out your, your phrases because it's too specific and you get a lot of those false positives and you're right. It, it becomes a black box. You have no explanation of why did this account come in? It's just, it, it did or it didn't. Mm-hmm. I think that also, I think the tricky part here is like, Folks will look to third-party intent data to help them focus on accounts. But a lot of the time, we, I, we even see them bypass really trying to figure out what their ICP is, like who actually are good target accounts for them. They'll just look at volume and, you know, look very broadly. And so I think even more important than the intent data is just figuring out your true set of accounts that are going to be good fit for you and just focusing on getting quality data there and then having a strategy. If you did want to layer on third-party intent for those specific accounts, like, yeah, maybe that's useful. But just the act of like prioritizing accounts and having the ones that are good fits is the better exercise. And it doesn't require you to have to go and get that data. But I do think first-party data and using that really well is an untapped, you know, I think some of the vendors that do intent are blending both. But if you want to look for a a cheaper option, and also probably a better option, is just figuring out how to best utilize first party data, especially now it's becoming more important as we're moving away from like gated content, 
And a lot of the buyer journey is happening like anonymously. But honestly, it's happening anonymously, but like on your website (laughs) doesn't mean it's all happening on content syndication platforms and stuff like that. So but I think that's where there is a huge opportunity. And then it is more strongly tied to, you know, someone who's actually in market for you. There's a good call out around the vendors selling intent are often selling some of them are selling both first party kind of like the revealing accounts actually on your website that might not actually be handing over contact information as well as the third party so because i don't want to make it sound like we're calling out those vendors because i think there's a lot of value to that where the buyer experience and so much of that discovering phase of people trying to figure out what product might be right for them is done anonymously and it is really, it is, I, I do really like the, the reveal features of some of these vendors or to be able to show me, oh, these accounts are actually coming to your website, reading your content, et cetera. Cause I think that is a really, that really is an indicator for their, you know, are, they are in market and probably in market ready to potentially receive a sales email and actually be okay with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it's just third party. I guess this is kind of counters what I was saying before, where you might see that third party, uh, the accounts where you've got third party intent converting at a higher rate just because you are putting more effort into But often what actually happens, I mean, the lift might, it might be there, it might just be small, but what often what happens is you tell sales, these accounts are in market and then they realize that they're not. And you end up actually a tool that's probably there to, or at least they're selling it as a way to try and help sales and create some harmony between Marketing and sales is probably doing the opposite because sales is then going, okay, I've just worked all these accounts and you told me they've had an intent and there's no bites here and I've just been waiting, my, wasting my time. There's like an expectation reality issue, right? Where mm-hmm. you know, the expectation is that I should send a sales email and they should be like, yes, here's the blank check. But then the reality is it's way harder than that. And it, it just never works like that as when you all all you have got is third-party intent, but you've promised something to sales that you can't deliver, which is probably more harmful than just saying, here's an account I got from Zoom Info, go create the buying team and and try and go after them. And hopefully there'll be a market. Yeah. Yeah. You remind me of a a time where I think my dad's company got bought by, oh, he he worked in, used to work in sales and janitorial supply sales for everyone listening. And they got bought by Home Depot and then they started to introduce all this like new technology to them. And he's like, I get this email every day that they're saying these accounts are like ones I should go after and they are in market. And he's like, and they're not like, I just know they're not. So I just had like a core, like a past memory, like open up there for me. But you're right. I think though that there's some things that should not be released out to sales in like a certain way, unless like we've like really battle tested it and we feel sure about it. Because I think the moment you launch something and it, we know it can have flaws to it or isn't working, like sales is just going to lose trust. And then there's lack of alignment. And then they go rogue and then they want to do their own thing. And, you know, you have all this like downstream effect. And I think that's where maybe some folks have maybe fallen like on their face a little bit to like put their you know, put themselves out there too to say like, oh, we're going to do this intent 
you know, but knowing that it's a lot of third party intent. So that's why I say like maybe take a phased approach and really figure out how to operationalize first party intent better first and also focusing on your ICP and really getting good data around your key set of named accounts and figure out how to target them and tier them. It just seems like a, a way better use of time to start. I'm actually a little surprised by the IM, uh, by the IMT, the MIT survey that you that you shared, Charlie, because I've always been such an advocate of utilizing third party intent data, not for the sales team, for all of the reasons that you guys were saying, but for the marketing team mm-hmm. and utilizing that as a as a more targeted approach to market to some mm-hmm. of these accounts to get them to the website, right? I think that there's a lot of vendors that that even are selling third-party intent and are kind of advocating for that approach. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have that that's what something that I've evangelized for a long time is let's utilize this to figure out like what are some of the terms that they might be interested in and now make a display ad that's utilizing those terms or a LinkedIn ad that's utilizing those terms. But then to hear the survey saying that for marketers, they're not getting in front of the right people even utilizing this data. Would love to get your thoughts. Like, do you see that there could still be some usage for the marketing side as opposed to just trying to say, here's your home run, but instead use it to try and get the home run? I I think it all comes down to, do you trust it? I mean, sure, if everything worked perfectly, and let's use CS2 as an example, right? We were able to get a list of accounts that are not engaging with us directly, but are 100% looking at stuff online that is perfectly a a great predictor for them wanting to buy our services soon, then yeah, I mean, that could be a good way to target them better and or target just just those companies and maybe get, you know, customer acquisition costs because, you know, we're not having to target them even as much because they should, in theory, convert at a higher rate. But I guess it comes down to the fundamentals of does that actually work in practice? Is the data good enough to do that? And I, I'd have to dig into more into this research, but I guess there is an argument that data isn't able to actually give you the companies that are perfectly in market for your services. I mean, and the jury's probably out on that one. I do think it's a good distinction between mar- the marketing and sales usage. Mm-hmm. I would say one thing though, if you are very purely ABM, you don't necessarily need to prioritize based on intent because mm-hmm. you should be targeting based on the tiers of the accounts, which is more, in my perspective, determined by fit and potential revenue potential. So mm-hmm. if you look at, okay, these are the accounts that the better fit based on your industry, company side, all the different fit components, plus based on all of those fit components, they're going to have best chances for having the biggest deal size and you know work down from that through your tiers that's how you should be focusing your efforts and you shouldn't have so many accounts in that list that you need to then go okay well these are the ones showing intent so i'm going to put like even more effort in them because you're already putting a ton of effort into your target accounts anyway right i mean you could do that i mean it's not a terrible thing to do but you're you have to look at this in a bigger context of is it the most useful thing that we can use, right? Because we're going to have to pay money for this. We're going to have to put effort into this. We're going to have to integrate this data into our systems. We're going to have people monitoring if this working, thinking about order of operations, 
team enablement is every time you introduce something, it has to be really, like we always say, it's kind of a hell yeah or a no, like a CST. Like it has to be like really working and doing great. Otherwise, what's the point in doing? So if you're already, you've already got a really solid target account list in the, in the way that I described, and you're targeting them, that you're really going full full force into that target account list, do you further need that intent component? Yeah. I think the only time I've like seen it somewhat work is like, it's funny because I don't even think you would really need it at that point, but maybe it can help you. But we just happened to have a client who was an intent provider. They did other stuff, but they leveraged their own intent. And then they, we did a nurture to like nurture people differently based on the keywords that they were surging on at the time. But the thing is, all those people that were part of their nurture, they did a really good job at just marketing in general. So a lot of those people weren't just like cold leads. They were just people who were already engaging with them. But then what they were able to do is make the content and the themes of the content that was coming out of their nurture to that person more relevant, potentially, based on those searching keywords. And that worked pretty well. It's hard to say if it was just good nurture content, like just good targeting mixed with like the people who obviously already had some engagement or if the intent keywords were actually things that they were really interested on. That's a hard thing to prove there. But compared to just people that they were nurturing in like a general stream, it did outperform that. So you could make the case of maybe it can just help you better engage from like a content or especially if you have like maybe a lot of different use cases that people will come to you for that could be good to leverage. But of course, you could even start doing that based on your own first party intent data, especially if they're already engaging with you. You don't need the third party intent data to do that. So they just happen to have it, you know, and it was free for them. Free, you know. So Yeah. yeah. I think the one way of putting this is I've I've never had my socks blown off by like a use case using purely third party intent right. data, right? It's like, we've been doing this for a long time. We've been using intent data in lots of different ways. And I think that there is a really important distinction between the first party and third party intent data. We're not trying not to conflate the two. And especially if a vendor is using both in their algorithm, then that, that can definitely be useful. But for third, just purely third party, it's like... You can do stuff and it's probably sounds like it might work, but I think you have to think so very rationally and go, is this actually providing an improvement over, over what I would have done maybe without it? And I think it's such a hard thing to prove. I think I would love to hear if the audience does have some awesome examples, send them to us and prove us wrong. I think I'm just yet to see one where I'm just like, okay, that was third party intent created that, that improvement. And it's like undeniable. It's always like, well, could it have just been that you were just focusing more on them? Could it have just been like Chrissy's example where they had a good strategy and they were mixing in first party intent as well? You know what I mean? It just, it's very hard to really prove. Yeah, definitely. Any other final thoughts, anyone or tips? You gave the really good kind of synopsis of like how you really should approach it a little bit earlier and then we can kind of continued going on. So just really revisiting that like, we do believe that the first party data is important, mm-hmm. especially if you are ungating your content, like not just relying on what you may see in a CRM or a marketing automation platform, but like getting some of those invisible insights, I think is really important. 
because it is really important to get in front of your in front of your buyers who are in market at the right time. Um, right. So the sooner that you can do that, the better. And I think that we would always advocate for that. Totally. And I think it's really important to be able to prove that it's worth it. And with first party intent data, I mean, you've got recorded proof that like this company has come to your website, right? Either through the, you've actually got that engagement data yourself, or you've got the reveal feature and they're doing it by, you know, the, the IP lookup. And I mean, I guess maybe you could question that, but probably okay to trust most of that for the first party side and say, okay, this company has actually come here. All the third party stuff, you're having to, it's a much bigger stretch to go, okay, they've done all this right. They're categorizing everything perfectly. It really has shown that they're a market. So when you're going back to the business and trying to get budget for this, or you're trying to tell sales to prioritize, I just feel a lot more comfortable if I can really demonstrate that this is real and this is like functionally working properly and that you can hang your hat on it than just like, there's this black box over here that's telling me that these companies are kind of interested in what we're kind of doing-ish and we're just going to believe them and pay them 50 to 60 grand a year for it. That just feels a bit, uh, I would be, I'm just a bit concerned. I would always just be a bit concerned with that side. Yeah. Budgets are pretty starved right now. So like, I think if you are looking at that as well, like you need to keep that in consideration. I think also it's going to be evolving and see what happens. I mean, if there's so much around privacy, but like if the future holds, like, are we able going to, are we even going to be able to track people the way that we track people now, like get ingest that data in the same way? So I just feel like doing more of a focus on trying to just have a better target. Like we talked about, do good marketing, like try and create demand. That's going to be a better focus than just trying to capture potentially the accounts that you feel like you could be missing out on and likely not even doing that. Because it's likely they're going to be a target account for you, you know, if you're really doing that the right way. So, but yeah, definitely interested to hear what those of you who are listening, if you're like, actually, it's working really well for us. And this is why, you know, message us at rga at cstmarketing.com. Let us know or, you know, at mention us on LinkedIn or something because we're open to hearing it. But we do see a lot of this uh, with our clients. And then I think the MIT report just kind of was some interesting data to back that. So so thanks everyone for listening. We'll actually, I think we'll probably include a link to that research report if you can into the show notes if you're interested in reading more. And we'll see you next time on the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. Have a good one.